Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's right, 100 anti-gun bills have been filed in the Texas legislature. That's right, 100 anti-gun bills have been filed this legislative session in Texas. Texas, the Lone Star State, you know, the one state that you're supposed to have firearms freedom. 100 anti-gun bills have been filed. I hope you're paying attention and I hope you're you're focusing on what's going on at the Capitol because we need to make sure that we shut this stuff down and we need to make sure there's no compromise whatsoever and nothing gets through this legislative session. Also, on the show, I want to talk about... Uh, this year, this year, this week, it's this week, Zach. This week, the federal government, the ATF, has until Monday, February 27th. Tomorrow. That's right. To appeal the Cargill versus Garland bump stock case. If they don't appeal this case, it goes back down to the lower court. The mandate is, hey. Bump stocks are legal officially in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, which someone has already started selling them, so you can buy them now. And also that the ATF, the federal government, cannot create or write law in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. And so that's going to be very important because that means in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, we can kick, kick the ATF out of these three states and we can say, you know what? You're not coming after our brace. You're not going to get the the AR pistols with a brace on it. We're going to be able to keep those. We're not going to be able to, we're not going to add those to the NFA list because the ATF cannot create a right law. That's going to help all these other cases that are moving forward in federal court to request a stay because the Fifth Circuit has ruled on this. 
And unless the ATF, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, the Biden administration, unless they are afraid of Michael Cargill. Come on, man. I suggest you go ahead and file this appeal by close of business on Monday. No. no I got a day. Probably best I don't. Yeah, go ahead. I dare you, Joe. Come on, Joe. 24 hours. You got 24 hours, Joe. High noon. I'm going to meet you at high noon. Let me get to it. Now, nah, we're going to meet you. I'm going to meet you at sunset at the Texas Capitol, Joe. Sunset. Corn see. Pop was a bad dude. You better go and just appeal. I dare you to appeal because Michael Cargill's coming. I got a big old gun. It's got Texas stamped on the side of it with a star. Lone, a tattoo? <laughs> with a tattoo, Lone Star, baby. You're going to learn today, Joe. You're going to learn. That's right. So we'll see what happens. By close the business tomorrow, we'll see if the federal government, Department of Justice, or Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, we're going to see if they're going to file this appeal and appeal to the United States Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., the highest court of the land, to try to beat Michael Cargill. I'm waiting. You know, that's not their only route that they can take. It's not? No. What other routes can they take? Well, if you look at uh, rare breed triggers. Yes. Uh, so the government actually used this obscure uh, statute in the criminal code against fraud to go against rare breed triggers, and they make basically a forced reset trigger, which um, they're claiming is a machine gun, basically. It, it uh, makes a gun fire automatically, which isn't actually true, but that's what they're claiming. And they're using the Eastern District of New York. They're using a court there Aye. with a fraud civil complaint. Mm. To uh, get a... That's a takings case. Uh, is it? It's civil. Well, mm-hmm. it's civil. Plus the government going after them civilly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And wow. they actually stopped them from selling triggers using that. Mm. So it's kind of a sneaky way. So the, the question is, did Rare Breed Triggers, did they file a suit in the Fifth Circuit? I don't know, did they? I don't know. This is all a chess game. It's important that we learn the game of chess because you have to anticipate the enemy's move, you know, five, ten moves down the road. And so when you file in these court cases, you have to think about these things and think about the best route to take. So hopefully, I don't know, I'm hoping that they file something in the Fifth Circuit mm-hmm. since they are in Texas. It would make sense. You have to play, you cater to the court that you're going to think, you know, assuming that what case it's going to be heard in, that the, the case that you, the court, you have a possibility of winning in. Yeah, they tried to get it dropped. Rare Breed did because the court was in New yeah, York. Yeah, that's New York, though. You're going to lose in New York. Let drop it. Yeah, you're going to lose in New York. Every, every, you're going to lose until you make it to the Supreme Court. And then you're hoping that Supreme Court sides in your favor. So, man, I hope they did something in the Fifth Circuit. Since they're located in, you know, in Texas, that would be smart to file something against the government in Texas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, their only option isn't to, you know, do the, the right thing and use the courts to right. fight what you're doing. They have other sneaky tactics that uh, they can employ, if they choose. And that's it. That's if that case makes it makes it to the Supreme Court. If yours? No, theirs. If theirs. Theirs. Because if theirs doesn't, then we're still good in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Three finger salute.
But does uh, your case, does that relate to theirs? Does that relate so. to their trigger? It doesn't, right? My case, it can benefit them mm-hmm. because they can say, hey, this was ruled on by the Fifth Circuit that is, you know, that the ATF can't create a right law. But your case basically says it's, that only the bump stock is the item in question, right? Or is it any item like that that uh, simulates the way it's written? It's, it's written toward it's written so that any case, any any agency within the federal government, any item, any agency can't create a right law. Mm-hmm. So, so Chevron deference, correct? That's a big one too. That's right. That so, is a really important thing to. To settle, right? So we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be, li- you know, waiting for my attorney to give me a call. I usually get a call at like five or six o'clock or seven o'clock p.m. in the evening. So you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the day tomorrow to see if, if they've actually filed or not. So that you know, that will tell us their plan. Because if they don't file, that means they're going a different route. Mm-hmm. So the ball's in their court. How brave they want to be. So if they file, then it goes to the Supreme Court? That's correct. Ooh, That's then, correct. Then it will be the law of the land. And then we'll, and then the Supreme Court either take the case or not take the case, or, you know, they rule on the case, it'll be the law of the land. So, our, you know, our, there's a possibility tomorrow our fate could be in the hands of the Supreme Court. Oh, that's big. That's right. That's big. It's a big deal. So we'll see what happens. Um, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, the new normal, DAs that don't prosecute and understaffed police departments. Going to talk about Austin street racing. Alec Baldwin, he pled not guilty. Also, Jimmy Kimmel. Going to talk about what he has to say about a few elected officials that decided to, hey, they're saying, you know, the AR-15 should be the the nation's rifle. <laughs> they unveiled it as the AR-15 National Gun Act Eight, you know, yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. Also, I want to talk about the Brady Center for prevent uh, to prevent gun violence. The Brady Center to prevent gun violence. They actually had a family they put out and just left this family out to dry and take the fall and go bankrupt on something that they pushed this family to do. They pushed this family to sue, uh, you know, unjustly. They should not have sued, but they pushed pushed them to sue. And now this family is bankrupt because they tried to do the bidding of the Brady Center to prevent gun violence. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're going to, you know... A hundred anti-gun bills, Zach. One hundred of them have been filed in the Texas legislature. Man, this is going to be a, a big old fight. We've never had this many anti-gun bills in the history of Texas legislative session. Ever. That's a lot. All right. It's also the new normal. Man, the new normal. Um, there's a video uh, in the stories there, Casey. Um, there's a video. And we, we got a lot of good stories for you. A lot of good stories, a lot of good videos. Um, but this one here, um, man, $500,000 worth of diamonds taken during a car robbery in Inglewood, California. 500000 And this is, this is the new normal here. This is, this is as a result of your district attorneys that are not prosecuting people. This is a result of not having enough law enforcement. This is as a result of also not keeping law enforcement accountable when they mess up, you know. So this is a result of all of that. Put it all together. It's a lot. And this is what we have to live with for the next few years. You know, Austin Street Racing, all that good kind of stuff. Uh, take a look at this video here of this robbery in broad daylight in California. You have to be aware of your surroundings at all times. Be aware of who's who's actually targeting you to be their next victim you have to be aware of who's following you you have to change your routes uh, you got to get your head out of your phone driving and looking at your phone can be very dangerous and not knowing who's beside you who's behind you who's targeting you to be their next victim and so what these guys do is they actually box this vehicle in one vehicle in the front one vehicle in the back bumper the bumper and another one on the side so they can't go left can't go right they can't go forward, can't go back at all, break the windows and rob them in broad daylight in front of God and everyone. And this is where we are. This is what's happening. And it's criminals are getting more, more bold and, you know, just more bold, actually. This is happening in broad daylight with ATM machines taken out of, you know, corner stores at 12 noon in the afternoon. Uh, just they're getting emboldened and just, you know, man, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you got to carry a gun. I just, I mean, this, I just don't get it. That's just wild to me. Uh, in broad daylight, you're looking at this. And, man, it's, and this is the new normal. This is a result of um, not making sure, you know, not making sure, making sure that your, your elected officials, your, your prosecutor, your district attorney is not doing what they're supposed to do. These people are, uh, and and I sit down and I talk with the um, the people that are actually 
who actually work at the Texas Juvenile Detention Center. And I always ask, you know, how long does it take for a person to get booked in and get released and all that stuff? And they say it's pretty quick. You know, you they get booked in, the judge releases them pretty quick, and they're out on their own. And, you know, just there's just no, no, you know, they're not held accountable at all for the actions that, uh, or the crime they just committed, whether it's murder, you know, robbery, aggravated robbery, you know, theft of the nighttime, criminal mischief, whatever. They're not held accountable at all. And we're just sitting back and allowing this to happen. And this is going to be the result of that. This is the new normal. So unless you start taking your own personal safety in your own hands, um, you have to be aware of your surroundings and what's going on around you. This is going to be something that we're going to have to deal with more and more. And so and that, that scene in California is just crazy to me. Uh, pretty wild. Pretty wild there. All right. Also, um, Alec Baldwin. So, man, what do you take on, on this Zach. Well, he shot and killed somebody. <laughs> he pointed the gun at her, pulled the trigger. So should he be held responsible? I know I know civilly he's going to pay some money without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So, but criminally, criminally. So um, let's look at this in the eyes of Texas and Texas law, you know, and say, okay, could it be negligent? What if I... Thought that a gun was unloaded, and I just put it up to your head and pulled the trigger, but Ooh. I thought it was unloaded. It's your fault. Then it's my fault. That's your fault. So why would it not be his fault? Mm. Good point. Good point. He pointed the gun at someone, yeah. pulled the trigger. So Alec Baldwin, the, the reason we're talking about him, because he's pleaded guilty. He's pleaded not guilty, sorry. Not guilty to manslaughter charges relating to the 2021 fatal shooting on the set of the movie Rust. According to a court document uh, way, uh, that was actually posted this week, uh, Baldwin is released on personal recognizance as long as he doesn't own a gun, abstains from alcohol, and doesn't speak with other witnesses of the shooting. And he was originally expected to appear in court on Friday, but is no longer required as he waived his first appearance. And Baldwin and Gutierrez Reed were formally charged with involuntary manslaughter last month for the death of the movie cinematographer. Uh, Helena Hutchins, attorneys for both defendants, previously insisted their respective clients are innocent. And so the armorer is actually Hannah Gutierrez. That was the armorer. So, you know, allegedly someone had taken the gun that was used to the gun range and fired some shots at the gun range. Um, man, big no-no, you know, big no-no. So when you're dealing, you're dealing with uh, with firearms, and you, you always want to make sure that you verify and check at least three times to make sure that gun is unloaded uh, before, you know, man, a movie set. Man, I just don't know how some people can be so careless. Well, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Brandon Lee right. from the set of The Crow. Okay. If you're familiar with that. Yeah. He was shot on the set when a bunch of uh, gangsters were supposed to be, you know, in the movie, in the scene, shooting him. With guns, right? But, yeah, they're supposed to be all blanks, but they weren't. Then, who is at fault? Is it just the armor, or is it also the person pulling the trigger? Because in movies, you're expected in these scenes to, you know, shoot people, right? But 
but my understanding is um, in most movies, the way they are nowadays, you never actually are really pointing the gun at anyone. Even they did back then. Even though there's supposed to be blanks in the gun. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that, maybe that was because of, maybe because of that movie, they started doing that. I don't know. That's a smarter protocol. Right. So, which makes sense. you can just edit the angles and make it look like you're right. shooting someone without actually. Pointing the gun at them. Uh-huh. Yeah, which, which makes sure you're following all the, 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 you know, the four safety rules there. Yeah, there's even a scene in this new show called The Last of Us that's on HBO. Have you been watching that? No, I haven't heard of that one. So it's really good. Aside from this one scene that just stands out in my memory. Um, so it's Pedro Pascal. He's this amazing actor. He's one of my favorites. He's never been in a series that's rated less than 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, it's basically <laughs> this sort of zombie apocalypse type movie. And there's this one scene in the second episode, I think it is, when... Uh, he's in charge of getting this little girl to this drop point, uh-huh. and he has an AR, and he's in this dark room, and he's talking to her, and there's a flashlight on it, and he's pointing the flashlight at her, but he's pointing the gun at her, just like telling her, we need to be quiet in here. And he's wow. pointing the gun at her to illuminate her with the flashlight. Oh, wow. And in the scene, you see the barrel of the gun being pointed at her. And I just want to like reach through the TV and be like, bro, point it to the side. Don't point it at her. Wow. You don't want to kill her, so don't point your gun at her. Hmm. Interesting. You don't have to shine your flashlight right in someone's face to illuminate them. Right. Hmm. Well, well, he's we're gonna see. This is gonna be a very this is gonna be a teaching moment for the movie industry and and how they go forward with uh, safety and Making sure that their armor is actually, you know, certified and and have all the certifications and and is actually competent enough to make sure that they're safe on the set. Because in the end, what it boils down to, it's going to be the armor's fault and it's going to be the person that's holding the gun's fault in the end. Because you're responsible, so you need to make sure that whatever you're using, you know, the unit, make sure that it is truly unloaded. There are truly blanks in there. I remember when um, we did a, uh, we had to bring a shotgun to the University of Texas for a concert that the UT concert band was putting on, and they wanted to fire a 12-gate shotgun at the very last note of that performance. And so I was so paranoid about this that, you know, I, you know, took the, you know, the gun to the range. I tested the blanks myself. I then you know, took the gun to the performance, you know, make sure I held on to the blanks and verified, you know, three times these were blanks, these are blanks, these are blanks, you know, before, you know, that performance. And then even then, we still pointed the shotgun in the air, never pointed at anyone. So last ditch effort, anything, it goes in the air. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so now, you know, there's some elected officials at the at the, the Capitol in Washington, D.C. They actually want to make the AR-15 the nation's rifle or something of that sort. So, but, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and some other people are coming out and they're bashing him. You know, they're saying, hey, you know, this is crazy. I have a different take on this. You know, totally different take that no one's going to expect coming from me. So, but take a listen. Let's look into Jimmy, listen to Jimmy Kimmel, and let's see what Jimmy has to say about it. George Santos got some money from the cousin of a Russian oligarch, and he doesn't seem eager to share any details on that. So to change the subject, he's working overtime to ingratiate himself to the far right wing of the party. Santos is co-sponsor of a bill that would make the AR-15 assault rifle the national gun of the United States. What a cool guy, and what an important cause. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. I've always been very clear. I'm very pro-Second Amendment. Um, uh, at, the same, at the same time, I'm very conscious about a mental health crisis that we have in this country, and also an accountability, uh, an accountability crisis that we have in this country. Take it from me, a man going through a mental health crisis with no accountability. <laughs> That's good, though, George. The first step is admitting you have a problem. My approach with that came just purely from a, it's, it's a resolution, so it's more about recognition. This is a gun manufactured in the United States, creates jobs in the United States. It's a made in America gun. And I mean, we have national everything, but why not have a national gun? It's, it's, it saves lives on a daily basis and it's not reported. Right, right, because they're too busy reporting all your secret identities. Can you imagine, with all the tragedy that's happening in this country, this bonehead wants a bill naming the AR-15 our national gun. And yes, I know the AR-15 is the gun George Santos killed the Loch Ness Monster with, but come on. <laughs> Even for him, it's ridiculous. And by the way, he's not alone on this one. This dumb bill was sponsored by a congressman from Alabama named Barry Moore with co-sponsor Santos, Andrews Clyde of Georgia, and mozzarella stick salesperson Lauren Bolbert. <laughs> These are the heroes working to get us a national gun. And the next time there's a mass shooting with an AR-15, which will probably be by the end of the week, we will know who to thank, the four gun whores of the apocalypse. Thank you so much for your work. All right, so that's Jimmy Kimmel's take on that. You know, but let's listen to the, the elected official out of Alabama that actually is sponsoring this bill. Let's see what he says about his bill. Take a listen to this. Protecting our constitutional rights, all our constitutional rights, is literally the job description of a congressman. And I take that job very, very serious. It's my job to protect your liberty and your freedom. I see that as the priority of why I do what I do and what we as members of Congress should be doing. But some pro-Second Amendment folks who might not own an AR 
my thing banning or limiting them is no big deal. But just like a camel sticking his nose under the tent, any watering down of rights already guaranteed will enable the anti-Second Amendment crowd to take away even more of your rights. This group won't stop until they take away all of the rights that we consider given to us by the Constitution and by our Creator. One rule to remember, any government that would take away one right would take away them all. That's why we are here today, to protect the rights, all the rights that you and I enjoy. All right, so, you know, I kind of want to remind people about Angelina Eberly. You know, I want to remind you about that. Angelina Eberly. You've heard that name, Zach. Here, let's talk about that. I'll talk about that person. Angelina Eberly. This, folks, is Angelina Eberly. And she is the reason why Austin is the capital of Texas because of Angelina Eberly. And because back in 1836, she um, met and married Captain Jacob Everly. She was a widower. They lived briefly in Bastrop, Texas, and moved to Austin in 1839. They opened up the Everly House. And so in December of 1842, Houston, that's General Houston, Sam Houston, ordered the secret removal of the archives of the Republic to safekeeping in Washington on the Brazos. So if they were to take the records, the, the archives from Austin, then it wouldn't have been the capital. Austin would not have been named Austin, would not have been the capital of Texas or anything for that matter if they removed those records. And we want to preface by saying the year before, 1841, Jacob Beverly died. So her husband died the year before this. Right. And so Angelina saw some soldiers that were trying to steal the records from the uh, from this one particular building uh, where they were stored. And so she had a cannon, and she fired a cannon, a female who fired a cannon to defend this city, Austin, Texas. And because of that, we're still named Austin because back in 1842, a civilian – a female had a cannon that she used against a military and defended this city. And that's why we're still named Austin, Texas, because of Angelina Everly. So just remember that. When you're talking about the AR-15 and you're saying that, oh, what is the AR-15 going to do? You just remember a lady, female, who had a cannon who sent a military detachment back running back from where they came from, and defended this city. And that's why we're called Austin, Texas. Can you own a cannon today? You can. Can you shoot a cannon today? You can. You definitely can. And just, you know, if you ever get a chance to just stroll down Congress Avenue, you know, go and take a look and read the statue and take a look of, you know, Angelina Eberly and read the history um, of this, this young lady and what she did and she's a hero because she was a civilian who had a cannon who decided to fire it against a military detachment that were trying to basically remove the records from the city and change history as we know it today. So thank you, Angelina Eberly, for being a civilian with a cannon.
and defending this city. Just remember that. Now, to the elected officials that are writing a bill to say, hey, we want the AR-15 to be the rifle, um, the, the American rifle. And I've always called it, you know, it actually stands for Armalite rifle. It does not stand for assault rifle. That's not what it stands for. That's what everybody thinks it stands for. I know, every single person. It stands for Armalite rifle. But I like, I like to call it the American rifle. But here's my response to the elected officials that are coming today in 2023 to say, hey, we want to sponsor a bill to make this, you know, the rifle, you know, of the United States. Well, my response to them is this. You know, I remember when Donald Trump was the president. I remember when the Republicans were in charge of the House. The Republicans were in charge of the Senate. And since they were in charge of both houses and the White House, that would have been the opportune time for them to sponsor whatever bill they wanted to sponsor and push whatever legislation through Congress they wanted to push and pass. But instead, they did not. And here we are in 2023. We're playing this games. They don't think you're stupid, people. They know you're stupid. You're stupid because they could have done this when Trump was president and they had the House and the Senate. But instead, here we are in 2023. They know they can't pass this. There's no way this bill that they're talking about is going to pass whatsoever. They don't control the White House. They don't control the Senate. They control the House. But then that's it. Nothing's going to happen. So this is all a song and a dance. They don't think you're stupid. They know you're stupid. Because you're if you fall for this okie doke and you think that they're doing something from you for you, they're not doing you any favors because this is not going to pass. This is all smoke and mirrors. The only thing that we have that's working for us right now is the court cases that we've filed in federal court to sue the government to force them to do what they're supposed to do because Congress are a bunch of cowards and they can't do it or they won't do it. They're placating to you and they're tricking you to make you think that they're doing it. The Republicans are a joke. The Democrats are a joke. They're all a joke. They're not working for you. They're playing games with you. They don't think you're stupid. They know you're stupid. Only thing we have is to work in the courts. I don't trust any of them. I don't care if you have an R behind your name. I don't care if you have a D behind your name. They're full of it. They're not working for you. They don't care about you. They did. They would have did this. They would have done this back when Trump was actually president, when the Republicans had the House, the Republicans had the Senate, the Republicans controlled the, you know, the, the House of Representatives and, and also the White House. They would have done it back then. But instead, they did not. And here we are today with smoke and mirrors and telling you that, hey, this is what we're going to do for you. We're going to do this for you, the people, because this, you know, this should be done and we're working hard for you. We want to make sure this gets done. I call bollocks. It's all smoke and mirrors and not trying to do anything. They know you're stupid because if you fall for this, you are stupid. So don't fall for it. We're not going to be tricked by this. All right. So all we have right now, these court cases that are moving forward and we need to sue the government until the middle of next week to make them do what they're supposed to do. That's all we have. Because right? we can't depend on our elected officials because they're not working for us. Uh, senator John Cornyn, our senior senator for Texas, is not working for us. He sees his numbers are just terrible. All of a sudden, he comes out and says, ah, we need to do something about fentanyl. Well, you know what? Nancy Reagan said, just say no. So how about you do that? Just say no to drugs. How about that? <laughs> right. Man, this is all a joke to me. All a big joke.
Don't fall for the okie doke. I don't care if you have an R behind your name. I don't care if you have a D behind your name. If you come after my Second Amendment, you if you don't defend my Second Amendment like you're supposed to, because the Second Amendment defends all of our constitutional rights, not just the freedom of speech, just it defends all of them. And if you don't protect the Second, then you're going to lose all of your constitutional rights in the United States. It's time we stand up and fight and stand up and fight now and don't fall for this okie doke because this is not the thriller in Manila. This is this is not a game of chess. This is this is real life here. Don't fall for it. Don't let him fool you. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so the bump stock lawsuit, um, we're going to see what happens this week because the federal government has until Monday, February 27th, to actually file their appeal to the Supreme Court. And so just to give a little history on this, because I think there's some people that still don't understand this, that it wasn't until a Las Vegas shooter killed 58 people and wounded hundreds of others in just minutes on October the 1st, 2017, that anyone, including the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosive, seemed to care about bump stocks. No one cared about them. Uh, they were passed. Bump stocks, just so you know, were actually approved under the Obama administration. And so that's when they became legal, and there was a letter explaining why bump stocks were legal. So the ATF wrote this up, and you know, broke it down for us. Now, there is no general bump stock ban then, and the agency had actually approved specific models so long as uh, the feature enabling a, a gun to shoot multiple rounds on a single trigger pull wasn't automatic. And so bump stocks aren't, according to this this professor at the South Texas College of, you know, of Law, uh, Drew Stevenson, he says, bump stocks aren't used for target practice, self-defense, or sport, you know, he's, you know, according to him, he says they're only useful, really useful to someone who wants to kill kids in a schoolyard or wants to wants a power rush, uh, he says. Now, has that ever happened before? That's never happened. Not with a bump stop. Never, ever happened. Jeez, people. I know. I know. I know. We just, you know, let's just uh. make it all up. I don't mm-hmm. Just like, just throw it out there. Because if you say it and you say it enough, then it becomes true. Let's play with we people's emotions. We choose truth over facts. Yeah. Let's try and tug on people's heartstrings and let's bring kids into this. Yeah, because yeah. then, then they'll do something if we the baby talk about kids. Yeah, right. So, after the Vegas shooting, ATF under then President Donald Trump in 2018 issued a rule equating bump stock outfitted semi-automatic rifles with fully automatic weapons, for which civilian Possession has long been banned. So the new rule required the stock owners to surrender or destroy their devices. So what I did was I actually took the remaining bump stocks that I had um, and I took them to the ATF office and surrendered them to ATF and then filed a lawsuit that same day. 
Now, the ban has been repeatedly challenged, but unlike most firearms regulation lawsuits, the fight has had little to do with the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Instead, it becomes one about agency deference, according to what Dr. Drew has to say. He's the professor at the South Texas College of Law. That's Drew, D-R-U, Stevenson with a V. The issue has, has divided federal appellate courts and in, in at least one instance, judges is on the same court. Against the backdrop, the ATF and the Justice Department have been reluctant to prosecute bump stock owners. And just so you know, no one has been prosecuted for a bump stock to date. Now, there's a circuit split, is what they're saying. Um, uh, but I don't know if it, I only know one case has actually has had a trial and going through the entire process. So I don't know where they're getting this circuit split from. Um, but anyway, I digress. So Michael Cargill, the Texas gun shop owner who last month won a U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit ruling rejecting the ban, has been explicit about the nature of the fight. You know, and they link my podcast in this news story. And just so you know, this is a news story that I'm reading from the Bloomberg Law. All right, so... They linked the podcast. Mike in a podcast appearance after his victory. Uh, Cargill said he wanted to challenge the ban not on Second Amendment grounds, but on the grounds that the ATF and indeed any agency lacks the authority to make law. The implications of the dispute are by design much broader than the Bureau's power to ban bump stocks. The decision, Cargill v. Garland, created a circuit split over ATF's specific authority to regulate non-mechanical bump stocks. Now, because non-mechanical, as opposed to automatic bump stocks, require a continued human man manipulation to create a machine gun-like shooting effect, eight members of the Fifth Circuit unbunk majority said they don't clearly fall within the plain text of the statute. And even if the statute were ambiguous, which two other circuits have held, 12 judges in the majority said they apply the rule of litany, not Chevron deference, meaning the law's lack of clarity should inure to the benefit of those who would be held to it, which means that the tie goes to the, to the citizen. So almost four decades old, Chevron provides that when a statue is unclear, courts should defer to the administering agency's reasonable interpretation of it, conservative critics say the doctrine cedes too much legislative power to administrative agencies. By drowning the line where the ATF once did to, the court's narrowly tailor tailoring ruling sidestepped the device's mechanical counterparts that may run afoul of the longstanding federal laws banning automatic weapons, which I find untrue. Because when it comes to the definition of what a machine gun is, you know, I like to say to this author of this story, uh, a machine gun, when you pull the trigger and it fires more than one round, that is a machine gun. Uh, when you pull the trigger, it shoots one round, that is a semi-automatic. So if you don't like, you know, something, you maybe want to change the definition because that's, that's what it means. You know, so don't just make it up. Uh, the court was slicing the cheese mighty thin, thin, as they say, but this view is consistent with the Supreme Court's trend of being skeptical of criminal statutes that are vague and leave key definitions 
to executive agencies. Now, Chevron versus plain text. Now, the DOJ has disclaimed any reliance on Chevron in defending the ban, saying its interpretation is consistent with the plain text of the statute and conceding that it doesn't apply to criminal laws if the validity of its bump stock ban turns on Chevron deference, ATF has said it would rather see the rules set aside. Now, even so, appellate courts have, you know, they've, they've upheld ATF ban, have done so by invoking the doctrine, and agencies' lawyers can, cannot, waive, cannot waive Chevron if the underlying agency action is the kind of which Chevron ordinarily, ordinarily applies according to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Now, in a statement accompanying the U.S. Supreme Court's 2020 denial of Saturi, which let the D.C. Circuit ruling stand, Justice Neil Gorsuch uh, said applying Chevron when the government disclaims it is the equivalent of placing an uninvented thumb on the scale in favor of the government. Now, if the justification for Chevron is that policy choices ought to be left to the executive branch, then courts must give equal respect to his decision not to make policy choices interpreting legislation according to, the, according to Gorsuch. Now, he also focused on the law's criminal penalties. Before courts may send people to prison, we owe them an independent determination that the law actually forbids their conduct. Now, they talk about the risk of appeal. So because there is a risk that an adverse ruling could upset the administrative state more broadly, Department of Justice will have to do some really deep, deep, some real soul searching uh, before asking the high court, the highest court of the land, the U.S. Supreme Court, to take up the Cargill case. And according to this professor out of Texas here, the professor is among those who believes that the Fifth Circuit got it wrong. But I truly believe the Fifth Circuit got it right. Now, on the other side, Amy Schwerer, a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, says the Fifth Circuit's conclusion is the natural result from a textualist perspective. Although ATF will have a difficult time enforcing different policies in different circuits, pinning a resolution of the split, given the potentially broad implications of the decision, the agency could be inclined to wait for a petitioner in another case to raise it, and the agency might not be eager to open that can of worms, according to Amy Swore, a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. In the meantime, there's nothing to stop ATF from continuing to go after many other types of machine gun, conversions, devices, and circulation, even if the Fifth Circuit has ruled on this. Although uh, Essek said the Fifth Circuit's decision will make it more difficult for ATF to bring criminal charges over, um, over violations of the bump stock ban, that isn't how the agency has generally enforced the rule. Now, Bloomberg Law was able to find only one instance where a criminal charge of an unlawful possession of a machine gun was brought against a bump stock owner, and the government ultimately abandoned the account. So no one's been convicted for having a bump stock. ATF has instead opted for civil enforcement mechanisms like cease and desist letters. If the manufacturer disagrees, they can sue and duke it out in court. Usually the manufacturers will comply with the agency's directive pending resolution of any dispute. If they don't, the agency has other inter intermediate enforcement options. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier. All right, so 
And you're talking about the rare breed trigger. Case. Sneaky stuff. Right. A little sneaky stuff. So we'll, we'll see. You know, this week is due telling. So we'll see what happens this week. We'll see what the, what the government does. Uh, the novel approach is arguably a safer legal maneuver than a criminal prosecution, according to this article, for possession of a bump stock. Uh, a, uh, it is a civil proceeding and does not a better job of uh, preserving the status quo. You know, according to what they're what they're doing as far as seeking the civil route. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, this week is do telling. Uh, will the government stand up and will the government actually file this lawsuit? Or will they back down a little bit? So I think they blinked, and that's why they waited to impose the brace ban. Because uh, it was supposed to go into effect a little sooner. Instead, they waited and waited, and then they did it. So because I, I, I think they, they think they messed up. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Colorado law makes it very, very difficult and financially perilous to sue the gun industry. And that's exactly what happened in Colorado. So Sandy and Lonnie Phillips wanted to hold the companies that sold ammunition, tear gas, and body armor to their 24-year-old daughter's murderer accountable. And instead of you know, that was the Aurora shooter. Yeah, and instead of holding, you know, him responsible, instead of going after his parents, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, bad parenting, you know, something, and not identifying this monster a lot sooner, because you should know his parents that you're raising a monster. Um, and you know, instead of that, you know, they decide to go after the the company that manufactured the item. Now. We never, you know, and I say this a thousand times, you know, uh, someone jumps in the car, hops a curve, runs over a bunch of people. Never, ever do we go after the dealership or the manufacturer of the car when it comes to, you know, that person doing something uh, of this nature of, of committing murder on a group of people like the, uh, the shoot, the, 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 the incident that happened in, was it Wisconsin during the holiday parade? They didn't go after the manufacturer of the vehicle. Uh, they didn't go after uh, the dealership. They actually went after the guy that committed the, this heinous crime. And so, luckily, Colorado has a law, uh, a law that passed about a year after the 1999 Columbine High School massacre makes it very difficult and financially perilous to bring lawsuits against gun and ammunition manufacturers and suppliers. But the Phillips... Uh, say they didn't fully understand the risk when two years after their daughter, Jessica Gao, was killed in the 2012 Aurora theater shooting, they sued four businesses patronized by the gunman. And when the case was dismissed in 2015, state law required a judge to order the Phillips to pay the defendants attorney fees more than $200,000 and it was a bill the couple couldn't afford, so they ended up filing for bankruptcy protection in January 2017. Now, according to the Phillips, they say, we lost three years of our life. 
and explaining that the situation was like being re-victimized all over again. And really, they should be angry at the uh, Brady campaign because these people pushed them to file this lawsuit initially. Uh, Colorado Democrats this year opposed to roll back the state's extra protections for gun and ammunition manufacturers and sellers against lawsuits through a soon-to-be-introduced bill. Um, the state law shielding the firearm industry is among the toughest in the country because it requires plaintiffs to pay defendants' attorney fees in dismissed cases, a legal benefit that gun violence prevention attorneys say isn't available to other types of businesses. Uh, only a handful of other states have a similar fee-switching rule. Now, while the proposal may not be getting as much attention as other gun control measures uh, being contemplated at the Capitol of Colorado this year, including a potential ban on the sale of so-called assault weapons, raising the age to purchase rifles and shotguns and mandating waiting period between when someone buys a gun and can access it, the policy change may be the most important alteration to Colorado's firearm regulations made this year. Now, without the change, proponents argue any other shifts in Colorado's gun laws wouldn't really be enforceable through the civil court system. Now, the bill um, that they're introducing would not punish gun violence victims if they want to go to civil court, according to uh, a, sing a senator uh, from Colorado out of Boulder there. It, it, evens, uh, it evens the playing field, and this is the bill that they're talking about that actually you know, rolls back what Colorado already has in law already. Now, this family, you know, they're upset and they're angry because they were duped. They were duped by the... The Brady Center. The Brady Center. That is correct. Uh, the Brady Center pushed them to actually file this case in the first place. Well, first they were hurt by the Aurora shooter, right? Yes. He is the, the, the guy that started... All this pain. And that's where all the anger should be directed, at him, mm -hmm. his family, his estate, whatever. You milk him for what you can milk him for. Yeah, you're going pretty far when you go to the gun manufacturer. And you want to know something else really interesting. So there's that lawsuit afterwards. Also, a group of 39 survivors got together, and they tried to sue Cinemark, the theater that they were at. And then why is it the theater's fault? At some point, you have to take your own personal safety in your own hands. Yeah. So 39 survivors tried to sue the theater. Um, they got in. Unless the theater banned guns. Well, they got in talks and they were about to get to a settlement where the theater Cinemark was going to pay them 150 grand, but split between 39. And then five dollars a person. Uh, everybody was like, okay, but then there was one person, one plaintiff, who her daughter was killed. She was paralyzed and she lost her baby, and she wanted more. But but all these things happened because of this guy, right, the shooter. But she wanted more from Cinemark, and so she rejected the deal. But then it went to the court. The judge basically sided in favor of Cinemark, and now these 39 plaintiffs owe Cinemark 700 grand. Ooh. Mm -hmm. But this was back in the day. Wow. This was years ago. It was uh, uh, a while back. But, yeah, same thing happened. These people 
they tried to sue Cinemark, and they lost, and they were liable for Cinemark's uh, legal fees. Wow. Or court costs, I guess. And so, yeah, so the that's that's wild. That's wild. And, you know, this, this family, the Phillips, uh, they said they trusted the Brady Center to have their back in the lawsuit, but weren't fully made aware of the financial consequences they faced before ultimately being forced to shoulder the defendant's legal costs themselves. So once it all said and done, the Brady Center turned around, turned their backs on this family, and walked away and left them with the bill. And they pushed them to file the suit, too. Pushed them, you know. Like, here, here, yeah, yeah, file this that's lawsuit. That's right, that's right. Get this, you'll, you'll get them back. You'll get the gun manufacturer didn't donate didn't not even a, pull the trigger. Didn't donate not a dime, not a nickel, not Oof. a penny. Pushed them to do this and broke this family and then turned around and left them high and dry. Jeez. Yeah. Wild. And now, they're saying, and now they're saying, look here, this is why this law should be changed because of this family. They left them high and dry. And now they're trying to blame it on the law itself. Mm. No, you need to, you know, you, you need to, you're, you're, you're an organization. The Brady Center uh, to Prevent Gun Violence raises a lot of money. And they should be able to help this family pay for their legal, you know, pay those legal expenses. Yeah, if somebody's driving a Ford Explorer and they hit someone you love and kill them, that's tragic. The person who is driving, who is behind the wheel, is at fault, not Ford. And then right? they then and then this funny thing is they actually they they even slapped these people in the in the face. They said, according to a spokesperson for the Brady uh organization there they said it is the practice to always inform clients of the risk involved in the cases they file so they called them clients and then turned their backs on them Ooh. <laughs> that's a slap in the face better watch out for the brady center yeah boy now you see who can trust now <laughs> you're gonna learn today thought i told you uh, more importantly, it is egregious that the Colorado's gun industry special protection law requires victims who bring about these lawsuits to pay for the attorney and other fees when they're successful. This is according to the Brady organization there. Uh, so, man, that's wild. And that's that's a that's a crazy case. Uh it it's sad, you know, that this couple is left high and dry after the Brady organization. The Brady organization decided to leave them high and dry. That is the Brady Center to prevent gun violence. Left this family high and dry, pushed them, you know, urged them on, say, you can do it, file this lawsuit, keep going, don't stop, keep going, don't stop. And then once they lost, left them high and dry to pay the bill. Sad. China blames U.S. gun policies for global violence. China. Oh, I know something we can blame China for now that the Wall Street Journal is actually coming out and saying. What's that? The Wall Street Journal is coming out and saying something that we've been saying for a long time, that uh, the the uh, thing that had been happening since 2020, you know, that thing. The thing? The thing. The thing that we can't say? Yeah, it the originated science in a lab. Because we say that thing, they'll blur the video. Yeah, it's that said, thing. It said that thing originated in the lab. Wait, you, are you talking about that thing that happened in 2020? Talking about that thing that happened right at the beginning of 2020 that changed the world. That thing that shut everything down? The thing that shut everything the down. The thing that make you want, you have to get a shot? They uh -huh. made, us, made everyone wear a mask? Yep. 
that shut the you know countries down. Yeah, they used to demonetize you, deplatform you if you even mentioned, said that theory. Mentioned the thing. Yeah, but if you said that theory, especially the theory about the thing, the theory that it came from the lab, that it, the thing came from a lab. Uh huh. So now they're they're admitting that now the they're thing, admitting it finally. So who is this? Uh, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal's admitting the thing came from a lab. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so, man, China. Oh, yeah, we uh, had a little correction. So the Wall Street Journal is admitting that the Department of Energy, is that right? Is admitting (laughs) that the thing came from the lab. Yes, we can. All right. The thing came from a lab. Department of Energy. That's the Biden administration, right? Uh Uh-huh. Just putting it out there. Because I represent science. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we and you say, were saying that they're uh, you, mad at us too, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So China blames you, blames us, <laughs> blames the U.S. There we go. China blames the U.S. for gun policies for global violence. They're saying it's America's fault that they're, you know, the, the gun violence problem around the world. They said America's loose management of firearms is creating a recurring nightmare of domestic gun violence that is now spilling into other countries as U.S.-made weapons and ammunition are increasingly finding their way into the wrong hands. China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs has this to say on Thursday of this week. So Wang Wenman, I'm going to call him Wang, a spokesman for the ministry laminated that at a United Nations meeting last week, the U.S. opposed a Chinese proposal to block transfers of ammunition to non-state actors. Now, he then argued that America's tolerance of, for guns is creating violence around the globe. He said gun violence has become a recurring nightmare for the American people. Uh, the U.S. loose management of small arms and light weapons and ammunition, massive weapons export, and persistent transfer of military articles to non-state actors are equally worrying. A lot of ammuni- a lot of the ammunition from the U.S. have become untraceable, and even ended up in the hands of terrorists and extremist groups, posing a grave threat to regional and to international peace and stability. According to China, he said gun violence is increasingly America's main export to the world. Michael, I have a question. Go ahead. I Yes, I have an answer. Okay, so this is China. China. Is this the same government that's doing a genocide on the Uyghurs mm. in their country? The same one. The same one. Is this the same China that uh, basically has internment camps in their country still to China. this day? China. Same one. Is this the one that uh, is this the same country, the same China that I'm thinking of, that has basically their internet firewall where they control all of the information that goes in and out of their country? China, you got it. That's oh, the one. Oh, okay, just making sure. Eat our lunch. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and they're trying to to grandstand and tell us uh, how things should be. Right. So oh. yeah, the same ones that you know. And by the way, okay. 
So you look at, don't let them fool you. Don't fall for the okey-doke. See, they don't think you're stupid. Remember, they know you're stupid. So don't fall for it, okay? Just remember that the weapons that are used around the world typically are AKs. AK is the weapon of your terrorists. They're the ones that are committing these crimes with AKs and that in the ammunition that it uses, okay? And they're being transported by China. <laughs> like, you know, you know how Russia is being assisted by China, you know? So don't let them fool you, okay? Don't fall for the okie doke. Okay? Don't 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 fall for it at all. Uh, so, you know, that's it, it's funny, you know, all you, all the different, you know, your criminals all around the world, the globe, you know, different countries. I don't care if it's the Africa continent. I don't care what continent that it's on. Is the AK is the 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 weapon of the criminals? Yeah, you know, China actually even uh, copied. You know how they like to copy things. You know, kind of notorious right. for uh, Chinese copies. Right. They copied the AK. That's called the Type Fifty Six. <laughs> so if anyone is exporting exporting hatred and you know exporting you know weapons, it's going to be Russia and china because they're helping each other you know and these are what the criminals around the globe are actually using the ak-47 so don't mm -hmm. fool for, don't fall for the okie doke at all but good try nice try china nice try not falling for it sorry yeah, they actually have over one million uyghur muslims in concentration camps mm. that they torture not uh, only in, in, in their the, country yeah they also you're, you're only allowed to have what when it comes to like children. They changed the one child policy. They changed that. Uh huh. Can can I have a? But they did it a little too late. They actually completely changed the demographic of the country in doing that. And there's speculation that not only does China uh, inflate their population numbers, where they don't have as much population as they say they do, but all these uh like uh, middle aged men right now or working age men uh they're all men in the country mm. and so when they age out there's going to be this huge uh drop in working age population right because they were all men they didn't have uh girl babies if they had a girl uh when when someone was pregnant and they had a child if it was a girl often they would literally just instantly kill the baby right because because of the one child policy they wanted a boy to carry on their family legacy right so yeah. there were so many more boys than girls wow and then boys aren't going to have babies only girls can wow yeah so don't don't let anyone you know make you feel about this country this is the united states of america is the best country on the planet there's no you know country better than the us I love this country. I love it more than anything. Even for our, our you know, our faults, you know, we this is still the best country to, uh, to be in. That's why people literally will shove off, you know, and hit the ocean, you know, on a piece of plywood to make it here because this is the best, best country on the planet. And no, no other country comes near, near and dear to the U.S. Uh, so I love this country. I love everything about it. You know, we're not perfect. There's nothing that's perfect, you know. There's some people that you dislike in your family. But guess what? We're all family. You know, whether we like it or not, we're all brothers and sisters here, you know, in the United States. And I love this country.
best country on the planet. Let's go to Texas. Ah, man, Texas, Texas, Texas. We're here. All right. So a Texas superintendent resigns after a student finds his gun in the school bathroom. <laughs> yeah, not pretty. Not pretty. So a superintendent of a small school district in West Central Texas resigned this week after parents learned that his gun was found in a bathroom stall by a third grade student. Third Oops. grade. <laughs> yes, third grade. Oops. Third grade. <laughs> An incident that it comes as Texas lawmakers and top officials discuss school safety in the aftermath of Uvalde shooting and prioritize measures like arming more educators. And he goes and leaves his gun in the bathroom. Adios, mofo. <laughs> so Monty Jones, Monty, the full Monty, <laughs> the full Monty left his gun in the, in the bathroom. The principal of Rising Star Elementary School. He told the media, he gave a statement to the media, that he and the former Rising Star Independent School District Superintendent Robbie Studeville carried weapons on campus in response to the school shootings. Jones Studeville did not respond to interview requests. Now, for our kids' protection, we need someone who is more responsible with a gun, according to Elizabeth Lee, who has two grandchildren in that district. Uh, Parents were upset about how the district, about 124 miles southwest of Fort Worth, handled this incident. After the third grader found the gun, a teacher sent another student to confirm it was real. Oh, wait. You found the gun in the bathroom? Hey, Billy, go down there with with uh, with Sally and verify that's a real gun and come back and tell me. Are you stupid or something? What? Hey, this is dumb and dumber right here. You can't even make this stuff up. So after the third grader found the gun, uh, so the teacher sent this other student down there to confirm that it was real, and the district's leaders didn't notify the community until last week. Now, according to one parent, I was shocked because it happened early in January, and we're just now finding out about this. Oh, my goodness. The Rising Star School Board will meet Thursday night to discuss Studeville's resignation and potentially potentially name an acting superintendent. It is unclear whether Studeville and Jones were part of the state school marshal program, which allows educators to carry weapons inside schools after 80 hours of training or its guardian plan which lets school, local school boards designate district employees who can carry firearms and determine what kind of firearm training they must get. The state keeps the names of the marshals and the districts in the program confidential, and both the Texas House and Senate have proposed setting aside $600 million from the state budget to harden schools, implement measures aimed at increasing school security and school buildings, and lawmakers have not yet said how they like to use that money. But a Senate committee has recommended expanding the state's mental health telemedicine system to all school districts and hiring more mental health professionals. But it's unlikely that the attention on school safety will lead to a stricter gun laws, as some Uvalde parents have been calling for, with the Republican-led legislature working in opposite direction in the aftermath of several mass shootings in the last few years. Now, anything that is considered gun control is dead on arrival, according to Mark Jones, a political science professor at Rice University. In terms of school safety, the focus is going to be most exclusively on hardening the schools in terms of more money for installing modern security and things of that nature, maybe hiring police officers or things of that nature. So we'll see what happens in this Texas legislative session and how this goes down, because my suggestion would be, you know, we need to have a, I think we should have a super LTC, a super LTC, um, and yeah, allow, why don't you get on that? That's right. And allow parents, you know, to 
get a super LTC. You already have your license to carry handgun. You can carry in prohibited places, and you need to prove even more proficiency than ever that you're proficient with that firearm. And I think that'll work, and we can shut some of this stuff down and, and bring it all to, to bear. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 